0: A new semester has begun, and with it comes new quests, new questions, and new mysteries. The Thundermen have moved into their new dorm. The Fearbol confides in a friend. Argo ignores hidden dangers, and Fitzroy takes on a project. Can friends be trusted? Who is this person asking questions? And where did the new crepe station come from? We listened to episode seven of Taz Graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. <laughs> All right, everyone. Welcome back to Talking Taz, your weekly journey through the world of the Adventure Zone graduation. With you as always is me, your host PJ, and with me as always is my lovely co-host Lauren.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Lauren, what would you think of this episode?
1: Okay, okay. I I really liked it. I don't don't make that face. I really liked it. It hit so deep for me because we learned about the characters. We learned about our boys. So oh, much. like
0: a good okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. I was
0: like. Did you hate this episode? No. I was like, this sense. seems like an episode that's right up your alley. Okay, that it makes is. more sense. I thought you were going to be like, okay, okay, hear me out. It was trash.
1: No, hear me out. I felt so many Okay, feelings.
0: good, good, good. <laughs> what All did right. you
1: think of the episode? I liked it a lot. Okay, I thought it was good. a lot
0: of fun. Um, You know, I I do love getting to know backstories of characters. It's one of my favorite things.
1: Yeah, that's my jam.
0: So let's get into it. It is the last day of the first semester, so that means there is no class today. The Thundermen will be moving into their fancy new dorm, but before that, the fantasy rooster crows to begin the fantasy day. <laughs> and the boys wake up in their original dorm room. Argo is there as the extra-dimensional cat nuzzles his handlebar mustache. Fitzroy has snippers sleeping hanging by a claw off the side of the pillow, precarious but content. And the fearbulk is unmentioned. Which Hashtag is- shade.
1: Yeah. Oh, Fearbug. Oh, he does sleep on the floor.
0: Yeah. Griffin wonders if they have been trying to catch the spectral cat to bring it with them to the new room, especially since Argo is still so afraid of it, and Fitz takes great delight in that and wants this to continue. <laughs> Travis says it is next-level Schrodinger's cat because they think they've caught it a number of times, but it's not in the box when they open it up. The boys start to talk about the hairball and poop situation for extra-dimensional cats, and they are apparently also hard to perceive and difficult to clean. But they apparently still have to clean them.
1: Which... If it's just, a, I mean, I would want to clean my dorm regardless, but if it was an extra dimensional cat, that doesn't belong to me.
0: But clearly they want to keep it.
1: I'm surprised the cat doesn't have a name yet. I mean, they don't have a name for the Fear Bowl
0: game. I was like, they're bad at naming things.
1: Except for Fitzroy. Except
0: for Fitzroy. Fitzroy reaches out to Leon to help the Thunderman move as his squire, but Leon has not responded, which Fitz says is strike one. Strike one. <laughs> Clinton wonders if any of their friends have not passed school, and Travis says it's all faceless, nameless people we've never met. But then brings up Argo's BFF, Steve, who had been so close that the two had been like brothers. But Steve got cut while on his real-world assignment. <laughs> and I was like... <sighs> Who's Steve? Who's this guy? I want to know everything about him. What was it? What was his powers? Was he like what? What was he going for? What
1: was his race? What was his class? Like he and Argo were they both oh rogues my God, together? The story
0: of Steve.
1: R.I.P. Steve. We Ugh, we hardly we knew we hardly ye. knew you. Ah! <laughs> Jinx.
0: <laughs> Clint is not remorseful and says that's what happens when you're not on top of your game here at Wiggle Bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> And I laughed so hard at that. And Travis is like, well, that's not the name, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Travis asks if the boys have packed everything up. Fitz prioritized packing the second he knew they were leaving, so he's ready.
1: He is ready.
0: Argo didn't have anything to pack up because he's so, so poor. And so he didn't have anything to put on the walls.
1: Oh. He'd
0: consider drawing, but another place he's poverty circuited in is artistic talent.
1: Do you think that's Clint talking or do you think that's just Argo?
0: I think it's just Argo. I think Clint, oh God, I know he worked in comic books, but he probably just wrote them, not art drew them.
1: I wonder, I mean, I don't know a lot about Clint's artistic ability. He seems very artistically rich to me. I mean,
0: art isn't just drawing. Like, it isn't. Storytelling is an art. Exactly. And he's a great storyteller. Oh, for he's sure. He's literally the one that like writes the actual like writing for all the Adventure Zone comics.
1: yeah. And I mean, he has some great voice work, and like yeah. he knows how to do foley work. Phenomenal. Yeah.
0: Years of radio, there, folks. Fearbug had the air supply poster, <laughs> according to Griffin. <laughs> Justin does not confirm nor deny this.
1: Justin stayed very quiet the entire time.
0: You know, in general, I don't think Justin's like over this at all. But like, if you notice, anytime there is a moment where I mean, and I'm always in the same place where I'm like, why are we still doing this? Justin is also the one that in the episode is like, why are we still doing this?
1: He is very much the let's move this forward and keep this interesting. Yeah, he boy. wants to keep
0: everyone on track.
1: That's what you play in our D&D. Yeah. <laughs> and I am the one who's always railroading people.
0: Which is so shocking to me because like, I feel like that's why Just- Justin acts like a DM. And it's so shocking to me that he doesn't want to be a DM.
1: I understand that, though, because I also don't want to be a
0: DM. I know, but you're very good at it.
1: Oh, nope. We're not getting into this conversation on the podcast. <laughs>
0: Hashtag make Lauren DM.
1: No, no, don't make that a thing.
0: (laughs) Gary chimes in with some reminders. There are no classes for the next two weeks between semesters, so students can go home for a break or can earn money at Last Hope, or Gary offers to let them stay at the school with him. There's also end-of-the-semester student-teacher meetings today. Fearbowl will be meeting with Bartholomus. Argo will be meeting with Jackal. Apparently they already talked about meeting. Gary isn't sure. Fitzroy is meeting with Higlemus himself. He also reminds him to get a present for Rainier's birthday party tonight, which Gary says is not an official announcement, but more of a friendly reminder so they don't look bad. Gary sends them off to breakfast, saying they should have some melon for him, to which Fitz asks, how would that work? And Gary says he doesn't eat, but they could, like, tell him about it. (laughs) Which the Fearbulg jumps on right away, telling Gary all about how you go about eating a melon. Gary says he enjoys his chats with the Fearbulg. Do you think they're friends?
1: I think they're friends. It's like Tuesdays with Moray, right? That's what they've equated it to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> so Tuesdays with Fearbulg and with Gary. Gary. Tuesdays with
0: Gary. Even though I think Fearbulg is more the Mori in that, you know, we'll find out.
1: He's 100% Maury in this.
0: But I do love that equation. I do like their friendship because I do feel it would be Gary. Because Gary theoretically knows everything and Fearbulg doesn't know a lot. But Fearbulg loves talking about the things he does know about very rarely.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a very good... Friendship dynamic.
0: You know, I also thought it was a very good friendship dynamic until halfway into the Fearbug explaining Melods, Gary gets a call, apparently. A
1: call, quote unquote.
0: But Fearbog says that Gary has lost interest and he'll write the Melanie experience down for him. <laughs> Who called Gary? If it's true.
1: Oh, okay. So if he actually got a call, let's say
0: he actually got a call because they are actually friends. Who would have called Gary? Festo.
1: His love interest.
0: His love interest from going Home for the Holidays.
1: Yeah. Because he, he had to go back and, like, tie up all his loose ends after he decided to... Did he end up staying in his small hometown? Or did his well, love interest... Well, one of the
0: Garys did. And they're just connected via hive mind.
1: Oh, so so are they all in love with this?
0: Yes, because Garys are a hive mind.
1: Wow. I I didn't realize, like, this, this person, or whatever Garys' love interest is, is in love with a lot of Garys.
0: Well, you've never seen Rick and Morty, have you? I have not. There's a whole episode where there's a hive mind planet that is in love with Rick. Oh, wow. And there's like another hive mind planet that is like super jealous. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's not, it hasn't been not covered in fiction. Fitzroy asks what his friends are doing for break. He asks the Fearbulg if he'll return to the swampland, but the Fearbulg says he can never return. And we'll wait for school to start again because this is all he has and he has no home to return to. Oh. Sad fear noises. bulk noises. What are sad fear bulk noises? <laughs> what would those be? <laughs> 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 no, don't. don't put me on the spot like
1: this. I was just referencing a meme. me. Don't actually, don't actually do it. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh God. No. <laughs> Fitzroy says there aren't many options as far as the demon filled forest at a place called the Godscar Chasm, which he wonders if it's a scar by the gods or a scar upon a god, which I think it's a scar by the gods.
1: That was that was my vote. I don't
0: think they're on top of a god. Like I don't think this is like one of those things in like Marvel where there are planets that are made of dead celestials.
1: like in Guardians too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm. I don't think this is one of those situations. But what a cool twist that would be.
1: Oh man, what if it is though? And Fitzroy's the sun. Or Argo, because we don't know his dad.
0: Oh, my God. <gasps> Fitzroy is just going to kick it here, now, wanting to bug his folks back home and not knowing where Good Castle is located. Obviously. Obviously. He thinks he'll just sit with the Fearbulg for two weeks.
1: <laughs> They're just going to sit there.
0: <laughs> quietly. As we know that that's how the Fearbulg likes to bond with people.
1: That is how... Well, if he's been talking with Gary, do you think he would have Tuesdays with Fearbulg conversations with Fitzroy?
0: Maybe. Hmm. Gary is back. I guess his call ended, and he suggests the boys go to Last Hope to make some money while the Fearbol continues to describe melons to him. <laughs> now going through different colors of melons. Oh. Fitz likes the idea of building up their own money for the Thundermen. The Fearbol says he'll go with Fitzroy, and Argo agrees that it would be good to get more experience. Fitzroy asks if he can take their Gary and give it to Rainier, <laughs> which I was like, um, <laughs> that, I think you continuously misunderstand how the school works. <laughs> We move on to the teacher meetings here. We start off with the Fearbulg and Bartholomus. Bartholomus is very impressed with the hard work the Fearbulg has done over the semester. And while he's not the best student, the Fearbulg is the most improved. Which again, we've established that I think Bartholomus is an amazing professor. Yeah. But I think that that's so good that he's like, you're not my, you know, my number one student, but I really appreciate how much work you've put in.
1: Yeah, he's not, he's being very truthful and honest with the Fearbulg, which I really like because the Fearbulg Can't lie and so appreciates honesty in others.
0: Bartholomus does start the meeting off by quizzing the Fearbull's knowledge and he passes with flying colors. He's
1: done so well.
0: Bartholomus is so proud and he's looking forward to Master Fearbulgs retaking accounting 101 now that he has a base level of knowledge to pass it.
1: I was crying. I was like, no, he didn't even pass. He didn't even pass.
0: He didn't well, he does pass because he has a C minus.
1: So that is passing. Yeah, I
0: think it's probably something more like Fearbulg wanted to retake it originally and bartholomus was like i support that and i think he just realized that he is does know what he's doing so he does want to move to accounting 102 or 201 or whatever it is but the fear says he will not be retaking accounting 101 and he will take a c minus and he'll be fine and he'll wear it like a badge of honor
1: good for you fear Bartholomew
0: bartholomus then asked how master fear is adjusting to life at school to which the fear says it's been difficult because he finds purpose in his work and studies but he doesn't have a purpose beyond school when he thinks about his lack of purpose, there is a great pain. Which I was the same way in school. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah, for a lot of school people. But you know, are... it's,
0: it's a very common college experience. Like, yeah. to an extent, like, you know what you're doing here, but what are you going to do after this?
1: It's true.
0: Bartholomew says that it's rare for the Fearbog to leave their clans in the first place, let alone be at a school, and wonders why he's here. Nazar Fearbog then tells us that he's been exiled from his clan. Oh my god! Uh, yeah i was Exile. like what? why what did you do did you i don't do? think he- he's not a bad guy so he i honestly don't know so sweet he walked towards the sun for 13 days and 14 nights until he came to the school so i was like wow he literally just happened upon this school
1: this wasn't intentional this yeah. was just what he stumbled upon
0: yeah it was wild he then decides he would join the clan of the school saying it was fated Bartholomus brings up again that Master Fearbulk hasn't thought of life outside of school, and the Fearbulk says he prefers to not think of the future. Again, say when I was in college.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: The Fearbulk code says that the tribe's honor is over yours, so he honors the school through his work and doesn't think of his own honor. Bartholomus says most people tend to work toward their own goals, and he advises that the Fearbulk should think of his own goals unless he is left alone again when he has helped all of his friends find their own purpose.
1: That's really good advice.
0: Yeah, no, again, Bartholomus, just a phenomenal teacher. Yeah, Phenomenal. I wish I had a professor like Bartholomus. I would have done way better in school.
1: Yeah, I think that we all would have had a good school time if we all had teachers like Bartholomew's.
0: Now I understand why he's such a rock star and why Tumblr is so god horny for him.
1: He's beautiful and he's a great teacher. Yeah.
0: We move on to Fitzroy. When he enters Higgle Miss's office, Higgle Miss is setting up an afternoon tea with tiny sandwiches and well-baked cookies with three chairs around the table. One for Higgle Miss, one for Fitzroy, and one for his dog, Hero.
1: Yeah, one for his
0: dog. Higgle Miss calls him Fancy Lad. As he welcomes him, but then uses his full title as a greeting, which Fitzroy seems appreciative of, before saying he's also now going by Thunderman, which is way easier than Sir Fitzroy Maplecourt 9 and Essential of the Realm of Good Castle. A lot easier. Higglemas introduces himself, and Fitz calls him Higgs, and Higgs wigs, <laughs> saying that now that he's been promoted to the villain track, he can speak with Higglemas informally, yeah. which I guess would technically be true because, regardless of his place at the school, Higglemas is still a sidekick. But he's so the Higglemas head- master. Master. Under him. Yikes. Um, I don't understand how the hierarchy works overall, but I would imagine that all sidekicks and hench people are below all heroes and villains.
1: But technically, technically, Fitzroy is a villain in training.
0: This is true. So would
1: Higelmas still be... I, I still consider him like the the headmaster. Oh, yeah.
0: I don't think that Fitzroy is saying that he is below him, but that's kind of how I read it.
1: That's a good point.
0: But I think in the real world, once he graduates, I think that is how it would be considered.
1: But he wouldn't be above Herodimus? No. Because Hieronymus is such a great he- yes. hero. Okay.
0: I think there's like an individual ranking system, right? Like there's the best heroes, the worst heroes, best villains, worst villains. And same thing with hench people and sidekicks. But I think even the worst hero is considered more, you know, important than the best sidekick.
1: That's really sad.
0: You know, I that's like how cast lot. system works. <laughs> oh. It's not. It's not okay. But... That's, and you know, it's maybe not how it works. And maybe in like three episodes, just like all my other questions, Travis will be like, this is actually how it works, but we'll see. Higgomiss invites Fitz to try his own personal dragonflower and elderberry tea brew, which Fitz rolls inside on. He rolls 18 and doesn't smell anything odd. And tastes it, saying it's spicy, but not in a traditionally good way, saying it burns his tongue, his throat, and his tummy. Yikes. Which Higgomiss admits is common with the dragonflower. Fitzroy continues to roll inside on the food, which all seems normal. He just does not trust Higglemas
1: He doesn't. He has no reason to distrust him. He doesn't. Him. We do.
0: We do. As the listeners, Fearbold but he does. doesn't.
1: But he's been spending his detention with Higglemas remember, after the, yeah. the Human Shield incident. So I don't know why he's so suspicious. I don't know.
0: He explains his new paranoia to being a villain and keeping his head on a swivel. Higgelmas wants to know what's so wrong with being a sidekick, to which Fitzroy says it's shittier. To have sidekicks as a new goal when you've had it in mind to be a hero, to which higglemas says Fitzroy doesn't curse well.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. To, yeah, know, he's so bad a, at cursing. He's so bad at cursing.
0: Fitz then says this school is not as good as the one he was enrolled in, and then he realizes being a sidekick was a staggering disappointment, which must be hard for Higglemas to hear.
1: Yeah, I would assume it is. Hickle yeah, he's, he's like,
0: s- yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> he's a sidekick.
0: He's like, why do you give two shits about being a knight? And Fitz is like, why does it sound so cool when you do it? Speaking about his swearing. (laughs) And says they will have to train under Higgomis to learn how to curse. (laughs) Fitzroy says he'd rather not answer Higg's questions as to why he cares about being a knight. And Higgomis rephrases to, what would it mean to you to be a knight? Fitzroy answers, it means honor and integrity and chivalry. And you get on a horse and people look at you and know you're noble and honorable. And that's what I'm all about. Which... I don't know. I don't think Fitzroy is about all those things.
1: You don't think he's about honor and We've being been with seen? him for seven
0: episodes, and I don't get that vibe from him.
1: I go with the he wants to be seen and loved and appreciated. That's
0: true. I think it's what he thinks he's about, but it's not.
1: And Hagelmiss calls him out on it.
0: Yeah, he's like, gross. That's not the real answer. Saying those are benefits to being a knight, but that they aren't the end goal. Fitzroy then says it's difficult to make a name for yourself in this world of showiness and grandeur and historical amounts of inequality. And since he was a child, there's something about the knighthood that has seemed fair. If you do the work and stay true to the cause you swear to, you can become somebody important that isn't guaranteed any other way of life. Which is, like, very insightful.
1: Into Fitzroy
0: yeah because I think it immediately takes out what we were just talking about where it was like oh I don't know if that is what he's all about I think it's what he wants to be about he wants to have importance in this world that is unfair we've talked about this almost every episode mm-hmm. how unfair this world is
1: yeah I think do you think he wants to feel important because yeah. he wasn't important he hasn't been important
0: yeah like I could see like you know, maybe he has a lot of siblings, and so, like, his parents were never able to give him full attention, or he just was never like popular or were liked or whatever. And he just always wanted to be more than he was.
1: Well, if he, it seems he came from some amount of wealth so far, right? And of...
0: usually people in those families are kind of ignored by their parents to some extent.
1: Yeah. So maybe he, he never felt important.
0: I don't know. It's all trauma, kids.
1: It makes me so sad.
0: Higgomiss disagrees with what Fitz put forward because there's always more to life than hard work and raising yourself up to better opportunities. Fitz acknowledges that this is true and says he's trying to make the best of what he's got, joking that he is making bad school lemonade. (laughs) Bad school lemonade. Buy it at your local grocery store. TM, yeah. Higgomiss says that no one has ever moved from the sidekick henchperson track to the hero villain track in the school's 250-year history, which answers the question we had last episode about how it works.
1: Yeah, so you're put in your position and you don't move. That's it.
0: That's it. Which is now, I know we were just like last episode being like, wow, Hieronymus is so cool for giving him what he's needed. But now I'm like, no one's done it in 250 years. This is like, how did this one get through the cracks? Right?
1: How, what, what about Fitzroy is Hieronymus honing in on that we either haven't seen or others haven't seen?
0: And this doesn't get, I get even more sus of Hieronymus as we keep going. But then he asks, what is it about you that my brother is so interested in? Yes. And Fitz doesn't pick up the, like, suspicion because he's like, these guns, I'm a good adventurer.
1: Yeah, but no, Higglemiss like, meant something
0: else. Yeah, he's like, tell me what he said to you.
1: <laughs> chills. I got chills. I don't know about you.
0: And I couldn't tell if this was Griffin not remembering how weirdly ominous that was or if it was Fitzroy not remembering how weirdly ominous it was. Because he's super flippant about it. And he's like, he said something about my righteous guns.
1: I, I took it as Fitzroy
0: yeah flippant. because honestly it is very clearly like something's wrong here how do you not know that and Fitzroy's just like look at me i'm so beautiful
1: he just he's avoiding answering the question yeah
0: fitz says that once he heard he was getting a bigger personal suite he stopped listening and hieronymus said he was very special and the most special boy at the school <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate him so much i love him more than I, anything
1: i love him but he drives me crazy he
0: drives me insane <laughs> Hagelmiss then cautions Fitzroy to be careful in his time at the school saying there are more ulterior motives than he could count and no one can be trusted least of all his brother. Yikes. Oh god oh I'm my so nervous. God. What is that? What is that? <laughs> I don't know. Then he says again be careful young Fitzroy and congratulations. Fitz seems relieved to have finally been praised saying it would have been terribly rude to ask for it.
1: I was moved by Hieronymus's last sentence to Fitzroy where he says be careful and congratulations. Like he's not being flippant. He's not being rude. He's like, no, just... It's very genuine. Yeah.
0: Uh, Travis takes a little bit of air out of that genuineness by being like, the tiny sandwiches were poisonous. He just never ate them.
1: (laughs) Griffin was upset. He's like, oh, no. Oh, darn it.
0: We move on to Argo, who meets with Jackal in the tavern. Jackal is sitting at the bar, skeleton animals running around the place decorating for the party, which Argo says is creepy, but Jackal likes, and I agree with Jackal.
1: Just because... The squirrel is straight from hell. Doesn't mean all of them are. Yeah,
0: I mean, the squirrel isn't straight from hell. He's cute. okay. Jackal says he has a challenge for Argo. He points to Tomas, the school counselor, who's having coffee and reading, hashtag big mood.
1: That's me. That's me. I'm the big mood.
0: Saying Argo needs to bring him Tomas's pocket watch. Two rules. He can't steal it, and he can't tell Tomas it's for Jackal. So shady.
1: That, do you think that this is...
0: I don't a- think this is like a test. I think this is some shadiness.
1: You think Jackal wants his watch?
0: I don't know. If Argo succeeds, Jackal will pay for all his drinks at the party tonight, and if he loses, Argo will just know he lost, which is a real, real failure.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, that's what drives me crazy.
0: Yeah. Argo goes over and Tomas recognizes him instantly. Argo marvels at his great memory and says, give me your pocket watch. I'll set it down by Jackal. Then when I come back, you have to perfectly describe the watch to me so I can learn how to be as good at remembering as you. Give me... I was like, "What an insane (laughs) lie!"
1: Okay, so the first time Argo was in the Test Tavern, he went up to an NPC and was like, "The castle's so clean, can I get in (laughs) to see your work?" And now he's in the Test Tavern again, going, "Your memory's so good, can we test it by?" But you know what? Like as a
0: DM, I would be like, "You're insane!" But wow, what a creative way of going about this.
1: I, I would. I mean, this probably speaks more to me as a player. Where I would never, ever come up with something like this.
0: My brain doesn't work like that. No. But Clint clearly does. Argo assures him this is how he learns at sea. It's all watch. No book (coughs) learning. Travis has Clint roll persuasion and he rolls a dirty 18 and succeeds. The watch was given to Tomas by his grandfather, and as long as it doesn't leave the room, he's game. Argo takes the watch back to Jackal and reveals his plan. Jackal asks Argo what would happen if he asked him not to return the watch, which Argo says won't happen because he gave Tomas his word. Jackal ups the ante when he offers Argo money for the watch, and Argo refuses, saying his word is his bond, which I respected the hell out of.
1: I was, yeah, no, I was very proud of Argo in that moment.
0: He then returns the watch to Tomas with some disparaging remarks about Tomas's grandfather before returning to Jackal. Which was so sad. I was like why is this happening? Argo, you were on such a roll. Why did you end it that like, way? He literally had that like very like important like I am a good character moment and then he was like your grandpa sucks.
1: <laughs> and Thomas, Thomas was like why would you say that? He was a hero. Oh god.
0: It was so good jackal asks if argo has thought about their discussion and argo says he has and he's made a decision argo rolls up his sleeve on his right arm and reveals a tattoo brand new it is a compass but instead of northeast southwest it says blood bone rain and stone which i was like i mean i know you're trying to show that you're like committed but damn what a what a commitment that
1: is like the biggest commit
0: what if like jackal was like well you sent you didn't let me keep the watch you're not in
1: it's so actually since you got that tattoo you're like hella. yeah no we actually
0: don't anymore. allow tattoos in this organization it's against the bylines
1: oh. <laughs> do you think this is his first tattoo
0: i think so
1: well he's gonna want more after this right yeah
0: no i oh, God, don't judge me like this i know this is a call out <laughs> look i have tattoos i always want more i have a problem
1: i don't i really don't think it's a problem you
0: i it's a problem for my bank account
1: I mean, that's true. But you always saying like, "Ugh, I, I want another one. I want another one.
0: I'm like people with babies, but like with a cooler thing than babies. Because <laughs> people with babies are like, I can't wait to have another one. And I'm over here like, I can't wait to have another tattoo.
1: Well, you know, technically speaking, tattoos are cheaper than babies.
0: Much cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> argo says he's in jackal is happy to hear argo's decision saying they'll continue their discussion after the party and to meet him at the forge the boys discuss tattoo maintenance then we cut to the ad break
1: oh travis has tattoos yes travis is
0: tattooed travis and i i think have the closest aesthetic of the boys
1: oh 100
0: hello everyone it's me pj your friendly fella here, as always to thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast my favorite part of every week is getting to record this show. and My second favorite part is posting it and seeing you all enjoy it. Let us know how much you're enjoying it by interacting with us on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Talkin' Taz or by searching for Talkin' Taz Podcast. Or go to our website, talkin-taz.pinecast.co for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. Let everyone else know how much you enjoy it too by spreading the word. No big notes for this episode, but I'm curious. If you have a favorite ship from Taz graduation, especially when your friends have judged you on, as mine has, we'd love to hear about it. Now, back to the podcast. It's party time! Travis asks if the boys dress special, and Griffin says Fitzroy always dresses special. Obviously. He went to the bursar and borrowed his cloak, with a lie saying he needed for boy cloaks quarterly, which Osric has been subscribed to since he was three. They talk about Boy Cloaks, and I'm like, oh, God, he's going to find out it's a lie because it's not going to be in Boy Cloaks quarterly.
1: I know. Like, Osric is a fan.
0: Yeah. This is a bad lie. He You're going to get caught. Oh, no. They joke about how the fans like the name fiscal Responsibility for the Fearbulg, but Fisk is too close to Fitz, which, again, my theory that it's on purpose that it's too close.
1: So we'll call him Fitzroy. Yeah.
0: Argo made party tunics for himself and Master Fearbulk out of bed curtains. He had experience in sewing mending sails. Which I was like, oh, that's a neat little reason for why you would be good at sewing.
1: Yeah. And I liked the callbacks to like Sound of Music and yeah. like, all of <laughs> Gone with the Wind.
0: Most of the students and teachers are attending this party. Skeleton crew is playing music. Jermaine is on the lute, Victoria on the accordion, and Rattles on drums.
1: That's a weird trio.
0: Yeah. that I don't know how that music would sound because it's... I
1: wonder what music they made. <laughs>
0: Lute, accordion, and drums sounds like it'd be a weird combo.
1: That's a very distinct sound.
0: But they're all really good, so I imagine it it works. Rainier greets them at the door. She's in a beautiful white dress with pink and gold accents, and her chair's ground effects pulse with the music.
1: That's super cool.
0: She compliments Argo and Fearbog's clothes. The Fearbog says his outfit is the finest garment he has ever worn, and he models how the fabric moves when he turns, which shows how good of a sewer Argo is.
1: I had no idea that Argo had this hidden talent. Yeah, but no, really he's super it. talented, apparently. Yeah, I guess.
0: Fitzroy tells Rainier that he's a villain now, and then immediately realizes he wasn't supposed to tell anyone, and tries cursing again, <laughs> which Rainier says is really awkward, and he needs to get better at it. I love that roleplay, by the way. It's such a dumb thing to be like, my character is very bad at cursing, but it's so funny every time.
1: It was kind of I mean, it's completely different, but it reminds me of in Amnesty when Duck was so bad at lying. Yeah.
0: Well it's it's the best one of the fun things to do with your characters is to give them like a dumb hindrance. Yes. One of my favorite characters I've ever I've ever played is my tiefling bard Beziel. Yes, we have. And know I that. just made a a joke that he was deeply afraid of burlap
1: for some reason we i don't know the backstory of beziel and burlap
0: well it was we were going up against like animated scarecrows and i like was terrified and everyone's like are you scared of scarecrows and i was like no i'm terrified of burlap it's the scariest fabric (laughs) and then it just became a big part of his personality
1: so fitz can't curse
0: he can't curse
1: he can't do it
0: rainier is sad that this means Fitzroy can't be her sidekick as she'd wanted him to be
1: okay but now
0: they can be partners Special partners. Okay,
1: don't don't do that with your voice.
0: (laughs) Don't do what with my voice?
1: Oh, no. Oh, no.
0: The boys give Rainier their presents. Fitzroy's present is wrapped in fine, glimmering papers. It is book-shaped and sized. She unwraps it, and it is a notebook of far speech. Fitzroy's first explanation as to why they'd use the notebooks is for pen pal action. Special action. No! Because they might get lonely. Yeah, they would. No! And they not. could exchange villainous tactics. Rainier is delighted and give Fitzroy a hug. A special hug. Oh, thank Rainier God. says that she'll be going home during the break, so obviously they could use that notebook of far speech to talk to each other during that time. Don't special me. talk. No! Argo has hastily stuffed a similar-sized book package into his tunic and goes through his pockets and gives Rainier ten beautiful gold rings that came from the curtain rod, which I think is a joke that Argo was going to also give her a notebook of far speech. Yes! Which I was like, Argo, are you also into Rainier?
1: <laughs> or maybe,
0: maybe it's like, just not a crush thing. I know, I know. Let me have my OTP.
1: I wait, no, but then you were gonna have the love triangle, right? If you were thinking that that's Argo true. was interested,
0: that's true. But you know what? I don't what? know what. <sighs> I just feel like Argo is gonna find his true love somewhere else.
1: Maybe his true but that's actually
0: is- usually how this love triangle works. It's like right as like the actual couple finally pairs off, the like one that's left behind randomly meets the true love of their life. Argo will be sitting in the hallway sad as Fitzroy and Rainier have their first dance. And right as he's sitting there, this like beautiful like pirate queen will walk by and be like, um, excuse me, have you seen any citrus? And then he'll look at her with like eyes of love. And that's how their romance starts.
1: Or, or, or... Rainier and Argo slowly fall in love over the course of graduation, and Fitzroy does his own thing with Snippers, and they are all happily ever after.
0: Look, I will support you not supporting Fitzroy and Rainier, but I will not support you supporting Argo and Rainier.
1: What's so wrong with Argo and Rainier? Everything. What? I have not given you any crap for Rainier and Fitzroy. Yes,
0: you have every time you do not support it. I just tell you,
1: I don't support it. That's all.
0: Uh, and if you do not support me, you are against me.
1: Well, this just got dark.
0: It will always get dark when you go against my wishes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I guess I'll go.
0: This is where you guys meet Dark PJ. <laughs> but she seems really appreciative of these 10 beautiful golden rings we talked about five minutes ago. <laughs> Master Fearbowl gives her his gift. He says he's never been to a birthday party before, so he didn't know about the gifts and says it's a great shame and it will be righted. He rifles through the tunic and says there's only one gift he can give, but it's not good and that she won't like it. Rainier says she'll love it and he gives her the melon story he wrote for Gary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Rainier reads it and says it's beautiful and loves the drawings in particular, which he says are so good they could be pictures, which I was like, are you an artist?
1: <laughs> so Argo was lamenting that he is not an artist, but apparently the Fear Bowl is. But also
0: Argo clearly has artistry as he made these beautiful garments out of like nothing.
1: Right? So just because he doesn't draw doesn't mean he's not an artist.
0: Yeah, these boys all need more self-confidence.
1: They do. Well, maybe less for Fitzway.
0: Yes, but also he needs self-confidence in different places.
1: Ooh, that's getting deep.
0: Rainier asks for one other gift from Master Fearbog, which he mistakenly assumes will be his beautiful tunic. But she asks for a dance instead, which I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll take a Master Fearbog and Rainier-ship.
1: Oh no, I wasn't thinking that at all.
0: Look, all I think about is love.
1: That is that is totally fine. You just disregarded Argo and Rainier, though, when I checked. I don't
0: support that. The personalities do not max at all.
1: Isn't there something to be said for, like, I don't know, opposites attract?
0: No, see, opposites attract is where you get Fearbulg and Rainier.
1: Because she's so upbeat and positive exactly. and he's so Argo is just different. I'm not saying I, like, ship it. It's just, why are you shaming it? Well,
0: of course you don't ship it. He has his own ship. He was on the seas for a long time.
1: I'm, I'm officially leaving now. This is over.
0: That's the sound of her walking away.
1: That wasn't great fully work. <laughs> The macros would be so ashamed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Bulk says he cannot give this as he doesn't want to shame her with his dance. But she pulls him on the dance floor. Justin rolls his dance die (laughs) to see how well he does. And Travis says it's a dexterity saving throw and he rolls a 13. So his dance is pretty okay.
1: He does okay. I thought it was very odd. Personally, that it was a dexterity saving throw instead of like a performance check.
0: Well, I guess, you know, if you're not used to dancing, you'd be stumbling over yourself. So I guess it would be a saving throw. I'm not against it. Yeah, I'm no, just I think surprised. it would be performance for sure if yeah. I was DMing. Argo moves from group to group doing his magic tricks, sleight of hand tricks, which Travis calls fake magic. And as Clint rolls sleight of hand, which he rolls super well, like a dirty 24, he's blowing everyone's mind, even though they've seen angels summon in battle <laughs> and other, mis- you know, that's always my favorite thing about like, like uh, fake magic in a magical world like when i've had characters that roll like that will do like side of hand tricks because it's like i can also wish for the world to change if i was high enough level but look the card's gone
1: (laughs) (laughs) did this coin come from your ear
0: as uh travis puts it they've never seen peanuts disappear like argo is doing (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i think if you were so 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 like good at magic you probably would have never really seen like Stage magic. So, like, if someone was really good at, like, say, like one of the best parts in the world, and they could, like, cutting words you to death, but you can make a card disappear and reappear without magic, that's pretty impressive, I guess.
1: I guess. I guess.
0: There's no summon peanut spell, so I guess that's why they're impressed.
1: I have you checked on Earth Arcana.
0: I. You know what? Let me check. And nope, still no summon peanut spell. Get on that Wizards of the Coast. He didn't check. Don't. Don't expose me. People are loving uh, Argo's routine. The, he is the life of the party, and people consider him the greatest wizard of their time. Fitzroy sees a ball of light. It's Festo! Festo! Fitzroy wants to party with Festo, and Festo is super into it. Festo asks to have a dance with Snippers, since he's the cute one, which I agree. Yeah. Snippers seems into Festo, and they do an incredible dance routine together, which I was like, oh god, I wish, I hope someone's animated this, because I want to see that animatic of like <gasps> a beautiful little, like festo snippers dance
1: oh no i have to go look for one
0: yeah if there is one i'll put it in the ad break fitzroy feels a tap on his shoulder it's buckminster he looks disheveled the first time we've seen him like this and he asks if fitz has seen leon and i was like oh my god what's happening what's
1: happening to leon
0: fitzroy says he had been looking for him yesterday since leon has been delinquent in his squire duties but it's weirder that buckminster hasn't seen him buckminster agrees saying he hasn't come home and i was like Oh, oh my god i'm crying <laughs> and i was also like oh no but leon and buckminster are in love what will they do without each other
1: that is a ship i 100 percent that behind. is a
0: ship i will say is like i am there i for.
1: will go down with this ship
0: oh god and hopefully hopefully nothing bad happens to it because i'm concerned here very concerned but leon hasn't been seen in a few days and buckminster is worried days He asks the administration, and no one seems particularly concerned, but Buckminster knows Leon wouldn't leave him. Oh my god, I was like, oh god, they're so in love! They're so in love! Buckminster says he's going to keep looking around the party and asks Fitz to tell him if he sees him. Fitzroy admits to hearing about Leon's fears and says he's worried and alarmed. Buckminster asks to meet with Fitz during the break to come up with a plan. Fitzroy and Fearbolt can't find Argo when they go to leave the party. Fitzroy mentions that Argo keeps creeping away and has seen him leaving in his dreams. Because we have established that he does see what's happening in the waking world while he dreams. He does. Which I was like, oh, wow. Good for Fitzroy establishing that early. Like, for no reason. It was a joke. But that does mean he would totally know Argo's leaving.
1: All the coming and going. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He suggests that Argo might have a lover. But he thought they were friends and Argo would confide in them if he did have a lover.
1: That was so sweet, though. Like, he thinks they're friends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He does. Fairbog suggests that he might have a special bathroom before asking if kids can use the notebook of Farspeed chicken after with Argo. <laughs> <laughs> Which I totally understood. Like, I've definitely had like not my own personal bathroom, but I've definitely gone a little ways away to go to a privateer bathroom.
1: Oh yeah, no, privater bathrooms.
0: Yeah, like oh. that S19 upstairs bathroom. <gasps> mm.
1: The best bathroom.
0: He writes in the notebook, what's up? Where are you at? Love, Fitzroy.
1: Love. Love, Fitzroy.
0: Maybe this is the ship. <gasps> oh. You're like, stop shipping everybody.
1: No, I'm not opposed to shipping everybody. I've never thought of Fitzroy and Argo.
0: You know, they do have a combative relationship, which <gasps> sometimes leads to a lot of love.
1: Oh, my God. Maybe it's all just been sexual tension. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry. I know you have Fitzroy in front of here.
0: <laughs> Argo writes, dear Fitzroy, how are you? Are you as the letters? I am fine. Running some errands. Getting tattoo finished up down at the hedgehog pen. See you back at the room. Friends for life. Argo Keen. <laughs> Fitzroy then writes, sounds cool. Have a cool summer. <laughs> Love Fitzroy. As if it's like a yearbook. It is like. A- <laughs> so good. You know what though? This is the second time that the notebook of hard speech paper has had a yearbook like quote because when they fought the Zorn, it also wrote like have stay a cool, cool summer. have a cool summer. That's true. It's something about the notebook of Far speech. It makes people write like they're writing in a yearbook. <laughs>
1: Have a cool summer.
0: Argo is heading to a secret meeting. The Forge is the blacksmith classroom in the basement. It is blazing bright with Jackal there standing next to a male Goliath at the mouth of the gorge. Who we learn is Mosh. Who we know is who Jackal invited personally to the uh, order.
1: Yeah, it's Jackal's best friend.
0: Yes. Jackal is Argo's sponsor, but Mosh is going to vet Argo. Argo shows the tattoo as proof that he's (laughs) game. Again, I just want someone to be like... (laughs) Oh, tattoos aren't allowed, so you're actually not allowed to join.
1: <laughs> it's, like, it's like some businesses that don't let you have tattoos.
0: They talk to Argo about the organization. They say it is as old as human memory. It is called the unbroken chain. It exists with one principle in mind. There must be those who take responsibility. Those who, when they believe someone needs help, or someone or something needs doing, or someone needs stopping, that they are the ones who step up. There must be someone who doesn't wait for someone else to be the one. The unbroken chain does whatever needs to be done, whatever that may be. And I was like, ooh, that's that's cool.
1: I, I mean, as cool as it sounds, it also s- kind of sounds somewhat sinister.
0: Well, it can be sinister, right? But it seems like it's with good intentions.
1: But a lot of bad things happen with good intentions.
0: Well, yeah, it's actually very similar, a little similar to like the League of Shadows in the Batman universe. Or at least in like the Nolan Batman universe, but in the general Batman universe, like Ra's Al Ghoul, who is their leader, mm-hmm. like he will kill entire cities and be like, "Well, it's because like they were super bad for the planet,
1: Thanos arguably did the same thing, yeah,
0: so I guess you know, good intentions don't always lead to being good people, which actually they establish. they do say we're not good people, we do good things, so they're they're very about it,
1: they are, but it's all it's all from perspective and perception, I guess,
0: yeah. They don't keep order or enforce, but move forward and do what is called for. Argo will get missions and tasks, which must be done in secret. Without anonymity, they wouldn't be able to operate with a light touch that they do. He's only going into one branch, but it's more far-reaching than that. They go a little bit into the history of the name of the Unbroken Chain. They select the next member, and the responsibility continues on, and everyone is equal in the chain. So there is no necessarily hierarchy within the members of the chain. There's no weak link everyone bears everyone's burdens. Everyone takes care of each other. Everyone is responsible for the world and for each other. Argo asks if this will interfere with his completing his training and moving on in school. It shouldn't, but he will get called to missions and tasks sometimes. And I was like, ooh, are we going to get Argo side missions where it's solo time?
1: I mean, that could be a possibility for like a one-on-one interaction, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Argo can't even tell his roommates about this. He agrees to join out of love for his mom. I get it. Mosh takes Argo's coin, puts it in a stone crucible, and puts it in the forge and begins to melt it. Has Argo repeat, blood and bone, rain and stone, your burden should now be mine own. No longer shall I walk alone, I vow by blood to work unknown. Rain and stone, blood and bone. And I was like, ooh, wow, what a cool little mantra.
1: Yeah, I was super into that.
0: Mosh then presents a chain with an emblem of the overlapping rings, which were chain links. Argo sees a pendant and remembers that his mother had a similar pendant. When he was a child, she let him play with it and ask about it.
1: Okay, so that's that's a question I had. Was Argo is supposed to keep this a secret from everybody, right? Including his really good friends, his roommates, everybody. So Shabri technically never kept this place a secret from her son.
0: Well, I don't know because she just let him ask questions about it. But that doesn't mean she answered them all truthfully. That's... You know, I, I imagine she he could have been like, what's this chain about? And she just would have said like some parent lie.
1: What, what do you mean like a parent lie? You
0: know, like a parent lie, like that thing where your parents don't know how to answer a question, so they just lie to you.
1: They've never lied to me about anything.
0: That's not true. You know, um, it's very common in Calvin and Hobbes, which is one of my favorite things in the world, but Calvin's dad routinely just makes up lies. Like there's one moment where Calvin asks him like, why were pictures in black and white back in the day? And he's like, well, because the world was black and white back in the day. They, they <laughs> didn't invent color until 1940 or whatever.
1: Okay, but that's, that's a funny answer as opposed to just like, I don't know how to answer this question. Yeah, no,
0: that's why you do a parent lie, because you don't want to say that you don't know how to answer a question. Mosh then reveals there's a secret passage in the school. He puts on a rune glove, reaches into the fire, and there's a clink before the fire dies away, and it becomes a tunnel to a metal door. The three of them go through a shimmering doorway into a room with a large table. At the table is Dakota, the drinking teacher, Sabor, the researcher, Ramos, the shieldwork professor, a female dwarven woman he doesn't recognize, and a young-looking, silver-haired elven woman he also doesn't recognize. And I was like, wow, these are people we've met.
1: And this is a secret passage in the school, so that was a lie that Gary told. He's like, there's no secret passages in the school, so... But
0: Gary doesn't know.
1: So does that mean Hieronymus and Higlemus also don't
0: know? Yeah, Probably. Ooh. I think only members of the Unbroken Chain know. And just like with most of these organizations, they don't care about other people's position of power. Like, you don't get to know just because you're the president of the school. You only get to know if you're a member. Oh,
1: that's true.
0: There are three empty chairs for the joining members. Argo gets his first assignment tell the Unbroken Chain about Fitzroy Maple Court. And I was oh. like, what?
1: My <laughs> God.
0: I was was, like, oh my god, what is happening here? I
1: started sweating immediately. I was like, what the heck?
0: I hate that we just cut from this scene. I know!
1: It's over!
0: Fitzroy and the Fearbowl go to sleep. When the Fearbowl closes his eyes, he starts to dream. But he's not in a forest by a campfire surrounded by his clan like usual. He's in Hagelmiss Wiggenstaff's office. Oh no! Standing in front of his desk. Hagelmiss holds a stone from their Zorn adventure in one hand and is wearing the camera spectacles. He says the rift just appeared, and the Fearbulg confirms it. Higlemus says he's done well. There's a knock at the door to reveal Leon who comes in. Oh, no. Oh, God. Higelmas wants to see him. Higelmas says the Fearbulg may forget, and the vision starts to fade. Hegelmus says, Now I understand that you've made a report to the Heroic Oversight Guild, Leon. That is very disappointing. Then it all goes black. Uh, There's a bright flash of light, a whiff of smoke, and the dream fades. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. I'm... What is happening the entire time? And then when he like, does he, did he just kill Leon? I don't, I don't know. Well, I don't I know. I have chills talking about it right now. I'm,
1: because I was so suspicious of Hieronymus when he was talking to Fitzroy, right? Higglemas. Yeah. Because he was like, don't trust my brother. Like, he, look out only for yourself. Don't trust anybody. And then we have this where he's doing stuff with the Fearbog in secret and did something to Leon.
0: Yeah. And he's having like dreams of it, but it's clearly something that's actually happening.
1: Is it? Or do you think it's like a fake, fake dream? I don't
0: know. I don't know. It's so, oh God, I'm so nervous though. So much is happening.
1: Leon did mention he was. Considering going to the Heroic Oversight And you know Oversight what? Guild. Also,
0: if it's true, like, it makes me uh, not trust the Heroic Oversight Guild because how would Higelmas have found out that he was concerned about the school's staff and stuff? <gasps> Can't trust anybody. And Leon might be dead.
1: Oh, my God. This is like, this is like Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade where he's like, don't trust anybody, Dr. Jones. And then he's like, I told you not to trust yeah, anybody.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. Ugh. But unfortunately, that is where the episode ends. That is all we have to talk about this week. What an exciting one. It was so good. I have been PJ.
1: I have been stressed out. And I'm also Lauren.
0: And we hope you'll join us again next Thursday when we are once again talking Taz.